boils and ghouls. It's time to gather round us, horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan. Crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, kitties, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the dark and haunted corridors of the vault. Tonight, we're cracking open our third tome of season two with Cutting Cards, an episode all about dudes being dudes, dudes who love raising the stakes, and dudes who are always chasing the dangers of competition. A lot of dude action. But before we can venture fully into the vault, let me introduce you to my co-hosts, my dudes, my dudes who are no stranger to danger or gambling or generally just fun brotherly times. Uh, someone who is an expert at, uh, at, at raising the stakes at, at any cost. He's willing to, uh, he's really willing to dive into the depths of depravity uh, to get his kicks. Of course, I'm talking about Petrified Preston. Mm-hmm. You know me too well. Uh, you know, off air, we just finished a card game and I lost my left hand, but I don't really use it that much, so it's fine. Fellas, I'm happy to join you this evening and talk about uh, really this awesome episode, Cutting Cards. Yes, let's do it. Uh, Preston, are you a big gambler in your private life? Do you enjoy a casino visit? You know, it's funny. I'm not a big like casino guy, but I do enjoy sports gambling. Yeah, okay. that, that's okay. kind of where I get my kicks. So like Uncut Gems is like top oh. 10 of the oh, last decade man. for you. Let's go. Let's do it. Oh, I've had, you know, I've had like a $5 parlay put together that brings as much intensity as that film. And I mean that in the best way possible. So, so yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Dan, what about you? Devilish Dan, are you big on the gambling circuit? How do you feel? Well, I know you be all over them than Lego minifigures. So mm-hmm. sort of. <laughs> that's not really gambling that's more of a skill that i developed however now that they've switched to just boxes yeah, instead of boxes bags, fucking bullshit and i haven't bought a goddamn one because <laughs> i'm gonna want the whole series so i'm just gonna end up buying it when i get it get it for a decent price off of ebay i guess but come on lego get your shit straight this is a bad idea Oh, it's for I, it's for the environment because you know there's there's less plastic in the plastic toys that we're selling. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, dude! Come on. You know, I mean, you keep up with the toy market, but Hasbro came under fire mm-hmm. for doing the exact same thing. And, they went to those and what happened? blind boxes for action figures, and they've basically had to pull back on that. Yep, they're going back to the bubbles or something similar to the how they were before, because no one likes buying toys that you can't see how the paint job is, especially when you're notorious for kind of having bad paint jobs on your figures. Exactly. 
being not of the uh, Lego variety, you know, I enjoy a nice visit to the casino. I think I inherited that from my grandmother. Every year for her birthday, she would just want to go up to uh, Philadelphia. Uh, not Philadelphia, you know, Pennsylvania, but <laughs> Philadelphia, Mississippi, because that's where the, the casinos <laughs> would be. There and, you go. Uh, yeah, some fond memories hanging out in the hotel room and then sometimes going down to the smoke-free section enjoying the lost <laughs> world of Jurassic Park in the arcade de- there at the casino. Because if, the inter- if you can keep the kids entertained, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, uncles, aunts, they could gamble all night. All you had to do was give them 50 bucks and quarters and you were set. Um, I beat Star Wars. I beat the Sega Star Wars trilogy for the first time down in that casino. Some fond memories. Oh, uh, I go into the casino and to this day, I enjoy going and enjoy. You know, I, I am a low bid stakes guy. I walk in with no more than 50 bucks and I'm lucky if I walk out with 50 bucks. So Yeah, with any. Yeah, but regardless, we're going to be talking all about of our all about gambling pleasures in a minute. So we're talking about season two, episode three, our final episode that aired on April twenty first of nineteen ninety. Once again, this is Cutting Cards, starring some really awesome people. We'll get into that in just a second, but first, we've got to kick it all the way over to the comic inspiration in Preston's House of Harb. That's right, Hunter. As you said, going back to Tales from the Crypt, number 32. This is one of our earlier comics, I feel like. October of 1952. Oh, yeah. They was playing some serious cards back in the early 50s. You know that bunch. So, guys, I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, as we're going to get into with the episode itself, this episode is so straightforward. And the comic is even more so. And I really don't even want to get into any of the plot details because, you know, I want to save that for the show itself. What I will say is this is, you know, very, um, it's very true to the comic. The the episode is, I mean, and, um, you know, it's, (laughs) it's an intense episode and it's much more intense on the screen uh, than it is on the page. This is one. Sure. Check out the comic. It's fine. You know, it's got that artwork we love and and, and that we're accustomed to. We do get the Crypt Keeper, obviously, uh, as our host for this story. But, uh, man, as, as we're gonna, about to get into between the performances and really the craftsmanship that went into this episode, it, it blows the comic out of the water as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, so I, I'm just ready to talk about that, to be, to be honest with you. And, and again, I don't really want to get into it because... You know, let's save it for the show. The comics are the same goddamn thing as the episode, but the episode drives up the tension a lot more. Don't even bother with the comic. It's fine. And, and you just, and you don't get the characters mm-hmm. that you get in the episode. I mean, these performances are great. And unfortunately, that aspect just does not shine through on, on the pages. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing to add beyond what you guys have said. There is just something about the the way that they are able to translate the source material into being something great um i mean yeah this is just a fantastic episode really i mean i feel kind of i don't know i i feel like i maybe i'm i'm clapping back at what i said last week where it's like hey if you love the episode you should go read <laughs> the comic inspiration and, and maybe you should if you really love this episode but also there's really no reason to it's just the better no. version is right here. Uh, yeah. You can enjoy it without 
checking out the source material. I completely agree. Dan, we're going to spend a minute here mm-hmm. because <laughs> we have to talk about top billing because this is we've talked about really great creative teams so far. This might be one of my favorite assortments of names that we've gotten so far, though. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, starting up top with the writers, as always, Stephen Dodd, Walter Hill, and Mae Woods. We've already talked about Stephen Dodd and Walter Hill, especially Walter Hill. Uh, you can go listen to the Man Who Is Death episode if you want to hear more about him. Uh, Walter Hill also directed the episode, uh, someone we haven't talked about before, Mae Woods. She's uh, not that notice- notable, to be honest with you, um, except for we don't see a lot of ladies getting writing and or directing credits on the series. So it was good to bring her up. Uh, it looks like she's mostly Walter Hill's producer and uh, production assistant. So uh, it's nice that he let her uh, work on the, the script and didn't take full credit for it and actually gave her a writing credit. So good job, Walter Hill. Uh, we do have to talk about, uh, we haven't talked about composers much. I think the last time we talked about it was all through the house, uh, but we're going to talk about a composer again, James Horner, a legendary composer known for just a few tiny movies such as Titanic, Avatar, Back to the Future 3, Willow, and Epcot favorite Captain EO. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who doesn't love Captain EO, right? As far as stars go. Of course, we got to talk about Lance Henriksen as Reno Crevis. Yeah. The dude's name is Reno Crevis. <laughs> it's a weird Don't name. Don't I know it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Lance Hendrickson, uh, he is known as the Android Bishop from the Alien series and spinoffs. He played Frank Black in 67 episodes of the X-Files spinoff Millennium, which oddly enough is missing from his IMDb page for some reason. And I had to make sure I wasn't thinking about Peter Weller because I think Lance Henriksen and Peter Weller are almost the same person. And so I had to make sure, uh, but yeah, IMDb, you are wrong. Uh, for some reason, Millennium is not on his credits, but I looked it up and he was the star. Also, Jesse Hooker in Near Dark. Ed Harley, not Ed Hardy, the disgusting t-shirt guy in Pumpkinhead. <laughs> King, yeah. King Bowser from the live action Super Mario Brothers movie, which confused <laughs> the fuck out of me because I thought Dennis Hopper played King Bowser. Turns out that Hopper's character is named President Koopa and King Bowser is a completely different character. Also, fuck that movie for having a President Koopa and King Bowser. <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah, this episode's basically a two-hander uh, with Lance, Lance Hendrickson as one part and Kevin Teague in the not-as-funny last-named Sam Forney. Uh, he is the paramedic Roy DeSoto in 130 episodes of Emergency. I'm sorry, that 130 episodes of Emergency! Uh, <laughs> with an exclamation point in the title. Uh, Blake Wilson in Another 48 Hours. Tillman and Roadhouse, Ben Foley yes. in the 2009 remake of My Bloody Valentine. And his first role was as Carter, the showering fraternity brother in The Graduate, which is uncredited, but uh, it is still a thing he did. The showering fraternity brother. I know he Roadhouse. Oh, I'm sorry, Dan. No, go ahead. Talk about Roadhouse. No, that that's exactly like he is so damn good in Roadhouse, man. Speaking of freaking vinegar syndrome, by the way, 
damn, that release is fantastic. That 4K they put out, seriously, cannot recommend that more. Um, that was actually a really kind of a late watch for me um, as far as is finally getting to that. And man, it did not disappoint in the least. And God, you just love to hate him in that movie. And I'm so sorry to backtrack, but I have to mention for Lance Hendrickson, dude, hard target. He is oh. amazing in that oh, movie. Yeah. I could not not mention that one. He also does an incredibly nuanced role in Alien versus Predator. Like, yes. He's really good in that movie for no reason. And I like AVP, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's obviously great as Bishop, but Charles Bishop and AVP, uh, since we're mm. talking yep. some of our favorite roles. But yes, he is one of those where, especially if you are into the sci-fi horror side of things, He's one of your favorite people. There's just no getting around it. Oh, my God. And, and Pumpkinhead. Like, I just watched yeah. that again recently. And, I mean, that movie still, you're just like, how the hell did they pull some of this off? I mean, the practical effects are, are phenomenal. Wilson, man. Oh, dude. And I know that's a, a story for a different day, but oh, kudos all around. I mean, both of these dudes are just excellent. And they are front and center uh, on this episode. So that that says a lot, obviously. And Preston, I know you love uh, Near Dark as well. That's another mm -hmm. credit for me. Oh, man, you're exactly right, dude. And, and speaking of Near Dark, I'm so glad you brought that up because that evokes some of the same feeling as this episode. I am such a sucker for like a Southern feeling Texas you know, right on the border kind of story from Dust Till Dawn is one of my favorite movies of all time. And and man, this episode really evoked some of that feel for me. So yeah, that was that was huge. All right, Dan, thank you, like always, for giving us our top billing. Before we can dive into the episode itself of Television Terror, of course, we've got to talk about the opening Crypt Keeper segment where I quite enthusiastically just wrote in all caps, GAMBLING CRYPTY. Um, <laughs> He's just having fun. He's out there. He's counting art cards. He's bug eyed. He's got his little. He's got his little dealing cap on. Um, it's it's just a fun bit. I mean, I, I I've got to figure out a better way to describe these besides it's a fun bit every single week. But I like when he wears costumes. What can I say? <laughs> That skeleton he's playing against is totally cheating. He's got five jacks, and there's only four jacks in a deck. I don't know Ooh. if you guys knew that. I did not notice that. That's pretty great, mm -hmm. though. Drawn from under the table. No, I mean, this is just another example where I feel like we are just kind of slowly getting into our prime Crypt Keeper. Like, I mean, the, he's just having fun at this point, and it really is. It's a, it's an awesome opening, and I just, Hunter, like you said, I love the outfit. How can you not? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Anytime you want to put him in the funny little dealer hat, little visor, that's good for me. I like that. I uh, I wish I looked like that, to be frank. Like, I think all my problems would be solved if I could be a little Yoda man in a funny hat. Oh. This is why in our contract with him to do the show, he insisted on having a big closet in the green room we gave him so he could store all his costumes. And now I know why. <laughs> the Liberace of horror icons, for real. <laughs> Elton John. Television Terror, the episode itself. Reno Crevice, that name that Dan loves so much, he's a cowboy gambler of big stakes fame. 
And you know what? He's back in town. He's returned to his hometown after a year of testing the waters in the dazzling Wild West chaos of Las Vegas. Immediately, he heads straight down to the city casino, where high stakes and the high spirits are sure to follow. Reno heads to the bar and talks to the bartender, who you guys might recognize as another bartender that we saw not too long ago. He's you See, this bartender, he's a voice of reason in this wild, wild west of wagers. And he drops, hey, he's like, hey, man, Reno, you got to watch out. Uh, this Sam Forney, he's the chip leader. He's been clearing people out left and right. But Reno, he's a man that's won $50,000 in a single hand against a South American dictator, which these just drop uh, <laughs> that incredible piece of information. He's fearless, and he refuses to back away from the challenge of high stakes. Approaching that table, Reno finds Sam immersed in a solo game of solitaire, having cleared out every other player in town. And you know what? You can hear you can hear the air crackling, the tension rising as they're talking about their past victories and their defeats. You know, we, we're talking ten thousand dollars won. Uh, we've lost a Cadillac. My wife ran off with a <laughs> piano player. There's a lot of poking and prodding here, but most importantly. These are two men dedicated to the game and luck. So you know they're never going to back down. We've talked about it a little bit, but these leads are really giving it their all and the way that they play off of each other. It's impeccable. Um, I didn't want to show my hand too early. Preston, you have been ecstatic about this episode for a couple (laughs) of nights now. Um, This is... I, I will just come ahead and say it. This is one of my favorite episodes in the Tales from the Crypt Library. It is probably oh. outside of All Through the House, my most seen episode, because I think it is such a great introduction to the series. It's got enough of that macabre and horror element where mm-hmm. it feels like Tales from the Crypt, but it just plays like a really good suspense. Like this is something that you could show, you know, your grandma who loves CSI or law and order or something like that. And she would be into this and it's so digestible. It's so small. And you have these two amazing lead performances. The whole episode hinges on them. And this is, I mean, this is a full movie condensed into 20 minutes. I think that this is really just one of the best efforts the series has ever done. And uh, I love, 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 love counting cards. Or you go, you go ahead, Dan, I'll follow you. Yeah, no, I it, it's great, um, and I'm sure we'll get in, into more of the reasons why. But top of the the list is the performance of these two guys. Like, I'm sure that they've run into each other, and you know they probably went up for the same parts or similar parts, and you know, one got over on the other a bunch of times. But on top of that, you can almost tell that they actually hate each other. Uh, <laughs> they they might despise each other a little bit in real life. I don't know, but it just judging from what you see on the screen, you can, you can feel just the, the animosity between the two. Dude, just that opening of Reno strutting into that bar with so much damn swagger. I mean, the man is dripping and you know, you, you automatically think, Oh, this is, this is the king right here, man. This is the king of this place. And then you meet Sam, obviously. And then I love that they're, they're kind of opening back and forth because, again, I'm thinking, and, and by the way, before I, I get into the to the story itself, you said, uh, Hunter, that this is like one of the most watched episodes for you. See, I think I had only seen this episode like a time before. Once it kind of got going, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I remembered things. So I know I've seen it before, but not 
I mean, literally probably a time. So, you know, when they started talking, you know, Reno comes in with so much swagger, as I said, I'm thinking he's at the top, but then, Hey, Sam, he's got a thing or two on him. Like he knows some things about him, uh, you know, that, that kind of, he has the upper hand on. So that dialogue is just brilliant. And just their interaction is so good. And, Hey, we gotta we gotta figure out which one is the king around here. So uh, you know, obviously we're about to get into their to their game itself. But yeah, just what a what a great opening. And Preston, you said something that I think makes this episode so good and and why it's so endlessly watchable is that these just perfectly play these characters that have known each other for presumably mm-hmm. decades. They have yeah. bucked and fought each other and gone back and forth and they hate each other's guts. But there's this there's this tie between them where they will never be able to get rid of the other, like we see in the finale, <laughs> that makes the whole thing so compelling. It's that that brotherly competition side of it that I think is so great. And um I don't know. I just think that these two play off of each other so perfectly that it's why this episode resonates with me. And secondly, I think I showed my hand, pun intended, um, either a couple of episodes back or maybe, you know, you've put two and two together from the opening. I love a good gambling movie like gambling, like if a movie has gambling in it it's probably going to get a little bit of a boost for me. Like it gets that, that half star increase, that star increase just because I love watching it. I love high stakes entertainment like that. And, um, I definitely know that that plays into it and possibly influences my overall rating. I'm going to give it at the end. However, um, I just really think that this is a, a, just, it's a fun story front to back and it's, it's told so well. And yeah, while it's really short, my only complaint is that I wish it was a little bit longer, but when the story is this tight and it's told so well, I really have no complaints. Man, and, and kind of as a prerequisite as to to where this story is going and, and where we're headed in this conversation, like there's high stakes and then there's high stakes. And we're about to see those. And right, right. I, I one thing I don't want to downplay with this episode is just the intensity. I mean, this thing you are truly on the edge of your seat as you're watching this. And and obviously we're about to see why. Yeah. If we're talking complaints, like you were just a second ago, I, I do have to lodge one. And it's the fact that again, it goes with uh, something else you said, there aren't supernatural elements to this. And I feel like a, it would be better if they uh, adapted some supernatural elements to it. Um, between them using their, like uh, Reno, you know, insists he has to concentrate. So it's almost like he, he has control over his luck. And uh, I would have liked to see the bar be a little creepier, maybe get mm. rid of that first part. Um, so it's, it's really just like a black room almost. Uh, so the, the table that they get to later, which we'll get to where it's just like a black room with like, faceless guys behind them i would have liked to see the entire episode take place just at that table uh just those two guys two faceless guys behind them and maybe a dealer um yeah it gets a little large and i would have liked to see maybe some implications that are in no not inferences yeah implications that uh they are in hell maybe they had died at one point and now they are you know universally tied to one another to battle and this is their punishment for eternity 
So it sounds like you don't want to do an adaptation of the comic book. You want to use it as a launching board to do something else. Yes. Well, again, because we talked about the comic briefly because there's not a whole lot to it. It's, you know, two guys that gamble with each other forever. Um, And I thought that would have been maybe a little more interesting if they had turned it into a uh, much more like stage play-esque morality tale. I do like that. I, I will say for sure. I like it too. It's a little it's a little ambitious. I see what you're going for. There's no reason they couldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. I I just everything that the, the way that they do it in this episode does work for me personally. Mm-hmm. The actual mechanics of the scenes are great. Like we'll get to it, like I said. Once they start playing Russian roulette, it's it's tense. It's fantastic. But then it gets interrupted by like they're outside and they have the budget to do this guy that drives up in a car and for no real reason, like he just, they chase him away. It's like, okay, well, why was that guy there? I don't know. We had an extra couple grand to spend for the day. Hold that. Hold that. We'll get there. All right. All right. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So the two, they make their biggest bet yet. Whoever loses their next game is going to have to leave town for good and never come back. They initially gamble on the dice. They prefer the roll of the dice for their luck. And you know what? That ends in two sets of boxcars. And Reno, he just goes, fuck it. And he says, all right, it's time to buy the whole goddamn farm because we are going to play Russian roulette. And, you know, Sam is like, wait a minute. (laughs) We're, we're, (laughs) We're making some leaps here. But he is unable to turn down the allure of the gamble. And you know what? He's like, I'm prepared. I got a revolver in my car right now. <laughs> let's go to the parking lot and let's do this thing. They so, have to be in Texas. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, come on. You know they are. So the parking lot, it becomes their their new betting table, their new arena. So the chambers spin and the triggers pull. And you know what? <laughs> That's that very tense scene. They're going back and forth. And you're like, one of these dudes, I've seen this episode so many times. Every single time I watch it, I'm like, one of these dudes is going to hit the pavement. Like it's going down. Yes. And it's like, I love the, the little bit of the, the James Horner score that you get here that mm-hmm. subsides right before the actual action starts. So you get a little bit of that goofy and then it's like, Oh man, we're in the trenches now. Something bad is going to happen, but they do their whole thing. And Dan, I, I, I this is the reason I hold you off. You know, we had that guy pull in. They're playing oh my God. in the parking lot. Amazing. He's like, hey, you want me to leave the keys? And then they're like, get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> and they, I love the fact that they almost like team up together. They're well, like, oh, fuck it. this that's, guy. That's it. Why I think that scene, yes, it's really goofy and it's small or whatever. But that's why that scene is there. It shows that these two, like I said, they have that brotherly almost camaraderie that shines through and they're like nothing comes between me and this guy we hate each other but we are the only people on the planet that also understand each other it's the symbiotic relationship (laughs) that that scene i think it shows it off in a really great little way in a very humorous way um and i'm glad that scene is there yeah that's actually a really good point i really think about that it's kind of that that cosmic like I, I'm the only one that gets to be an asshole to this guy. Fuck everyone else. Yeah. 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 It, it honestly, like, this is a very odd comparison, but it reminds me of, like, 
MMA fighters who, when they're done, like kicking the ever loving shit out of each other are like hugging one another in the ring after the fight. Right. Like I, there's just something about that kind of somewhat of a mutual respect that I find so interesting. Yeah. 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 I don't think these uh, two guys are hugging each other after (laughs) (laughs) for multiple reasons. Uh, Yeah. Good point. So they are playing Russian roulette and eventually they find out that there was really no stakes at all. The bullet that was in the chamber <laughs> is a dud. But I do like the 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 you know argument that they have here, where they're like, you knew you knew the odds were stacked. <laughs> like there were no chances. And he's like, it doesn't matter. I initially did the spin. You saw it. It came down to luck of the draw, baby. And they have this little back and forth, back and forth. And he's like, it's a couple years old. Maybe it got wet. You know <laughs> that's sort yes. of thing. Yeah. Yes. So that frustration, it peaks. They're accusing each other of cheating. But Sam, always the gambler, he proposes, you know, his solution, that very sinister, macabre solution that we come to, which is chop poker. This episode could have been very differently if they played strip poker. I think everybody would have went away a little happier, but they're going to play chop poker. (laughs) Magnificent mandic. Um, (laughs) So... In the, they go to basically like the speakeasy, the backside of the casino. So in that that dimly lit hideaway that you were talking about, they're surrounded by uh, bodyguards and this like stoic dealer. The game begins. Reno, he's on a winning streak. He wins his first two hands and he's chopping off fingers left and right. We see him take the pinky then takes the ring finger. I love the way it cuts to black. And then we just cut to him shaking with his finger on the table. <laughs> Great. So uh, they continue to start doing the chop. And you know what? Reno, he's just like, look, you ain't going to be dealing cards like that guy no more. You're out. You're out of the business, man. And then so they keep on playing. And there's fingers dangling they're in jars or they're talking about putting them in jars so we can sew <laughs> back on because Reno, he finally starts to lose. And mm-hmm. Sam is like, oh, he's like, come on, I'll let you, I'll give you back one of your fingers. We'll get the doctor to sew it back on. <laughs> and then he's like, no, 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 I'm red hot, baby. I'm red hot. I'm going to take one of those fingers. And the, the strength in which he slams down that chopper on that finger. Ugh. And then that great little, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, crazy violence in this episode, but just the tension that you get from the, the, the finger getting chopped off like that. It's that great little classic horror movie slasher chop. It's so good. I love it. Cause you feel it, you know, it's like, ugh, ugh, yikes. <laughs> I also love the, the, the sounds that they both make when they get their fingers chopped off. It's oh, like, this, yes. yeah, ah! it's, it's like ADR dialogue. So it's, you know, it doesn't sound natural and it's like got extra echoes on it. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The reactions a plus on those that that's for sure. By the way, that, that yeah. one quote was, uh, I'm going to take your fingers and put them in a jar of alcohol, you know, like pickle them, keep them and show them as a souvenir and show my buddies. That's right. Show (laughs) my buddies. Is that your quote of the week, Dan? So it's, I have two written down. It's either that or uh, right after that is you're going to be training your rodeo gloves for a pair of knit mittens, cowboy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that one. So good. So good. This scene is just really good. And, and while it's not as tense as the Russian roulette scene outside, it is played a little bit goofier. Like I said, it's got just enough of that Tales from the Crypt spin where, Dan, I understand what you're saying. You wish it was a little bit more supernatural or horrific. But I think it's got just enough of that macabre twist to it that makes it work for me within the context of the series. It's not even not even horrific i'm looking for more just like dream logic because none of this makes sense like there's obviously some weirdness going on with two boxcars in a row and then you know the bullet doesn't shoot i would have liked to (laughs) see that more in like a a more fitting uh apt uh setting i guess is what i'm you would have liked to like a slow zoom out and the dealer is revealed to be satan himself and then we're surrounded by dozens of other gamblers in the pit of hell no see that's too big again i just want these two dudes <laughs> and like the dealer you don't even see their faces like it, the literally the only two people you see the whole episode are just these two guys just wrapped in battle for eternity and then hitler comes out and he's like you guys having a great time <laughs> you right. got room got for next. one more <laughs> yeah <laughs> true do you guys think that they eventually chopped the dicks and balls do you think oh, they got to that point shit or Why wouldn't they? And I hey, no, these two dudes, I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it past anything. Come no, on. I disagree. These guys are manly machismo men. I don't think <laughs> I don't think they want to show their dicks and balls to any other guy. And uh they don't want to get rid of their dicks and balls for any reason. Do you think there's a deleted scene of them like in the locker room <laughs> backstage where they're <laughs> they're coming up with the, the terms of engagement where they're like, look, <laughs> what about that? No, hog? Nothing with the head. <laughs> Yeah, I want your hog. <laughs> no, Reno, I'm not giving you my hog. I'm going to get that <laughs> hog. I'll give you both ears before the hog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that we're not able to make it through an entire episode without turning 14. It's, <laughs> it's one of my yes. favorite. <laughs> Every episode, I got to fit in dick and balls mm. into <laughs> whatever way I can. Glorious man meat. so after a long night of trading chops back and forth we're gonna fast forward to a hospital room because you hear very gently the clatter of checkers there's no more (laughs) shuffling of the cards because these two guides they cannot shuffle anymore both of our gamblers missing their arms and their legs (laughs) they've decided to move on to the next sport that they can play or the next game they can play which is checkers. Um, Not they're chess. Going back and forth. Not chess. Checkers. checkers. I love it. Come on, King me. You just left me a triple jump. A triple <laughs> jump. That's right. Um, that luck is still going off because they are constantly trading blows back and forth. And uh, you know what? That brings us to the end of Reno and Sam's journey in cutting cards doomed to be playing games together with no appendages until they eventually meet their demise um all right guys so that was cutting cards i do have to say this closing crypt keeper moment the fingers in the pan <laughs> might be the funniest crypt keeper moment we've gotten so far. Yeah. The sudden cut from the ending of this episode to him grilling up a bunch of fingers is so funny. It is fantastic. Do you think he ordered them or did he chop them off somebody? 
I think it's it's theirs. It's he theirs. Was like there. He was like underneath the table collecting. <laughs> he's kind of like right. he's a little golem man. He's like reaching out, like eh, man. <laughs> you, know? you know what I love about this is, you know, of course, every one of the closures is a capper to the episode, but things from the episode don't always carry right into the closing. And the fact that this did, I, I found that really cool. And and like you said, Hunter, this was just funny and, and just a, a great capper. It's got legs and arms hanging in the back, waiting for brunch the next day. Well, that brings us to the end of Cutting Cards in Full. Let's go ahead and give our severed thumb rankings. So, Preston, why don't you start us off this week? Oh, my gosh. It is no secret how much I love this episode, man. It might be the shortest of the entire series. But in my opinion, certainly to this point, it is among the best and one of my favorites. There's no doubt about that. I, I will be revisiting this one for years to come. I mean, I have to give this at least four and a half solid thumbs out of five. Um, and yes, they were ones that were cut off in a poker game, of course. Dan, what's up for you, my man? I think it comes as no surprise. Uh, you guys are higher on this than I am. I'm still pretty high on it. I was going between three and a half and four, but I am going to stick with four. Uh, again, for the same reasons I already mentioned, uh, it's beautifully crafted, well acted. I just wish they would have possibly made some other slightly different choices and dialed it back a little bit. So four thumbs up. I don't know if this is going to be a surprise to you guys. I really went back and forth. What do I want to rate this? Because there are some really strong episodes coming up in season two. I just really wasn't sure where I was going to land on this, but I, I, there's got to be something said for how many times I've watched this episode, how much enjoyment I get from watching it. And it's just got, frankly, one of my favorite themes uh, that you could feature in a short story. I don't think that a minute is wasted in this. And uh, yeah, I might be insane and I'm giving a personal bias, but I'm going to give you a five, seven thumbs, my Ooh. boy, cutting Ooh. cards. That's our first yeah. one. First five. Wow. I knew it would be me, but yeah. Go it's, go it, on, Preston. Well, I was just going to say, it's funny. I'm going to be very interested, like, once we finish this season, if in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, that that deserved that half extra, right? Um, so I, I totally, totally respect it. And Dan, I, I totally understand where you're coming from as well. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's going to be super interesting. And I mean, maybe we do have to talk about which ones did we rate too high? Which ones did we rate mm -hmm. too low? Especially yeah. as, you know, things start to wind down. But we've got a long way until we reach that point. But maybe we'll hit it with our recap. But, yep, so we've got a 4, a 4.5, and a 5. That's a uh, that's a pretty high rating there, guys. Mm -hmm. This is this has entered the library of the great episodes of Tales from the Crypt, Four Horrors from the Vault. So definitely, if you, for some reason, have listened to this and not watched Cutting Cards 
definitely go do it. Uh, we all really enjoy the episode and we definitely think it's worth your time. Yeah, it sounds like there wasn't a whole lot going on just because, you know, there's not a ton to recap, but the it it's the the length uh in between, you know, pulls of the trigger that are really the important part of this episode. Yeah, it's all on the suspense side of things. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and give our closing information and we'll get out of here. So Preston, thanks for being here, my man. Go ahead and let folks know where they can keep up with you. Dude, thanks so much. This was a pleasure. What a hell of an episode to talk about this week. And I can't get over the fact that it's the shortest one. So yeah, don't let that short runtime, uh, you know, make you think less of it. So of course I'm all over the place, man. Twitter at Preston nine, six, seven, the same username under letterboxd. Oh, what a scarathon it has been this year, fellas at Preston nine, six, seven. Again, you can follow me over there and, and see all the crazy shit that I've been watching this season. Let's see here. Other podcasts, real fans for real movies. We got a great episode coming up on uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. What an absolute classic. We've been talking spooky stuff all month long over there. And uh, yeah, keep up with us over here as well. And, you know, I'm sure the other fellows will hit on this. But uh, as we talked about in the last episode, hit us up with an email, man. We'd love to read your thoughts and and answer any questions that you may have. Uh, Dan, I know you've got that info coming up. I sure do. Let's do it right now. Horrorvaultpod at gmail.com. Send questions, comments, concerns, pictures of your legs, whatever you want to <laughs> horrorvaultpod at gmail.com. If you don't want to do the email thing, that's fine too. Uh, you can reach out to us on all kinds of socials, Twitter, Instagram, blue sky, yada, yada, yada. That's also at horrorvaultpod. Um, if you want to keep up with me personally, that's at Red Right Dan at all the same things. I'm not going to give you my personal email address, but uh, you can DM me and I'll see what you have to say. And if you want to keep up with me, the best place to do so is right here on Horrors from the Vault. You can also find me on Grim Grinning Hosts. We've just uploaded two Halloween special episodes, or at least one of them is up right now. So go check out 20 Things We Love about the Haunted Mansion. You know you love the ride. We love it too. Uh, Brad and I, my co-host over on Grim Grinning Host, we talked about all the things we love about it. And then you're going to want to tune in for our Halloween special, which is um, (laughs) a piece of shit, but you're going to love it. It's uh, five theme park attractions we wouldn't want to be locked in overnight. Uh, We talk about getting force-fed through a funnel with Brendan Fraser and the Revenge the Mummy ride. I talk about losing both my feet to Julie Andrews and Spaceship Earth. It's a wacky time. You're going to love it. Um, And then finally, you can keep up with me on Instagram and Letterboxd at Discount Vincent Price. So thank you for listening to Horrors from the Vault. Go deal some cards. Go have some fun. Go chop off something. Preferably next Crifty, let's go ahead and get on. It's time to slam the book shut for this episode of Horrors from the Vault. We hope you had a bone-chillingly delightful time. And your deep-brained souls were satisfied to the macabre cause... Because the next time you dare to venture into the vault, you might not come back at all.
fright. 